Hello, everyone, and welcome to Here's a Solution. Yep. Chels, what do you think of when I say, what does quiet quitting mean to you? Funny you ask, because I've heard two separate descriptions of what quiet quitting is. Um, one is where you just stop going the extra mile at work, I guess I would say. Like, you're just going in, you're doing your steps, you're not really putting any particular amount of effort in them. And then the second one that I've heard is when you stop taking any aspect of your job home with you. So if you used to be someone that would be sitting on your couch at 8 p.m. answering emails outside of work hours, you're no longer doing that. Okay. Um, So I guess both descriptions would be you've kind of stopped putting the maximum amount of effort into your work. Yeah. So... So that's pretty much in line with what I've been reading and what I've been hearing about and catching the odd Instagram post when it talks about quiet quitting. When I went to go do a little bit more digging into maybe what the quote experts say, um, they talked about it being a new term and that it, it, as you've said, it doesn't actively or actually involve someone quitting their job or resigning. This term refers to employees who are no longer doing the work beyond their job duties. And this is beyond the duties that they are, quote, being, I would say, compensated for. Mm -hmm. And so there's a few things that stuck out to me when I was doing a little bit of more digging into this. First of all, as I was reading um, an article and, and it was quoting, and there was a short video with a woman and they called her a workplace wellness expert. Mm. And that was a term, it, it stuck out to me because while there were, you know, there's there's people that work in human resources, and as we've talked a little bit um, in our first podcast, and we can share a little bit more on that, the difference between maybe the more traditional HR work and things like employee relations, or maybe this new workplace wellness expert, but I would say, and maybe in your experience, I think that's a very, you know, maybe post-pandemic Absolutely, yeah. job title. Yeah, and from what I understand, it's it's human resources they're going to cover you getting paid. They're going to cover your benefits package. They're not looking at how you feel going to work every day. Yeah. When people ask me, like, how, like, do you work with human resources? How does employee relations differ? You know, I really talk about that. uh, If somebody were to invest in in an employee relations, whether it's a a role that they're going to have within their company, or if it's someone they're going to bring in externally, it's, it's really the company's effort to build and strengthen, maintain those positive relationships between the employees and their employer. And and this can, as you've said, sometimes be confused with HR, human resources, that kind of thing. But as you've said, that actually is the role that focuses on things like managing and developing employees, recruiting candidates, managing payroll, and enforcing those various company policies. And it's those company policies that you need to remember as an employee The company you work for may (laughs) or may not have policies around, you know, what you wear to work. Mm -hmm. They might have policies around, you know, if you aren't performing, you know, and and that's 
typically when HR is brought in in those cases is if you are not meeting the standards that are laid out in policies. So sometimes HR can be very much referred to as like going to the principal's mm-hmm. office. You know, you're in trouble if you're in with HR versus them being seen as, and I mean, it's in there freaking name, a resource right. for employees to say like, hey, and I mean, yes, they exist there for you to go and go, look, I didn't have a great interaction with my with my boss, with my manager, you know, what are the next steps? But you need to remember that the bottom line is HR is there to protect the company and the company policies, right. which can mean that they're on the employee's side if, if maybe a policy on that end hadn't been um, adhered to properly. But really, when somebody's investing in employee relations, they are looking to sort of create those those more enhanced experiences I think for the employees. So I find it interesting that this this quiet quitting has taken off because what I really look at is you know, are you quiet quitting or I've also heard people talk about it being loud leaving um, <laughs> as sort of the other end of that. But in and around you know, in a lot of job descriptions Sometimes you have that little tagline that's like, other duties as assigned. Yeah. And that can fit in so many things. Right. And I, and I think we've now come to a world where maybe during the pandemic, more and more got added to people's plates. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, without them realizing they're taking on more. And, you know, does that other duties as assigned now equate to more than 50% of what you thought you were doing. Yep. And what does that look like? Well, and I think the pandemic really changed our perspectives. Like, people were going through not being able to be with their loved ones when they died, you know, or missing the birth of their grandchild, or not being able to get married. And I think it just made people reassess their priorities. And why am I doing... 10, 15 extra hours of work at home when I could be living my actual life during that time. Well, yeah. And, you know, there's one thing to be able to say, I'm going to take on some additional duties, maybe for a short period of time, maybe for a specific project, maybe. And it's laid out, like you will be having to do some extra work for this project. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, during this time frame when maybe we're down an employee, you know, because it wasn't even just people leaving their roles, but people were sick. I mean, mm-hmm. people were getting COVID, people were getting other illnesses. And and as you mentioned, maybe they were dealing with other life things like people passing away and things like that. So maybe the workload shifted a little bit, but it's when the workload doesn't shift back. Yeah. When it's not realized and said, okay, you're now doing three people's roles, Mm -hmm. but you're still only getting compensated for the one. I know I talked to a client sort of midway through 2021 who came to me and said, I used to be involved in, I used to be the manager of volunteer relations. I am now the manager of volunteer relations. I'm now the manager of volunteer relations, marketing, PR, and fundraising. (laughs) And I I looked at this person and I said, you do realize those are four very distinct roles. Yeah. And the the person looked at me and said, "Mm mm-hmm, but it's it's my role now. Yeah. And they just didn't, like, what do you say? Like, okay. Like, does that even happen in a meeting? Like, do you sit down and they're like, okay, so you are now going to be the manager of PR? Like, or is it just over time, just like quietly 
add it on to your roles, you know? Right. So maybe that's it. Maybe there's been quiet addition. So now I'm maybe calling it quiet quitting. Maybe there's some quiet subtraction happening. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I mean, again, doing a little bit more digging um, into what other people are saying about this. You know, they are talking about how this phenomenon of this quiet quitting, as we're going to call it, that it did increase over the pandemic, that things changed, as we were just talking about, and employees and employers had to make do. But as we've said about it, you know, now that the world is reopening, things are getting back to, quote, normal. I won't call it the new normal because I hate that new term. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, everything's kind of shifting back to the way it was pre-March 2020. And, and people are now having all these responsibilities. And I think they are turning to their employers and saying, okay, well, well now what? Now I am now responsible for X, Y, Z, and ABC. And they're asking to be fairly compensated. And remember, compensation doesn't have to be more money. Mm-hmm. And I know we're going to talk about this in maybe an upcoming podcast, but people don't quit jobs for more money. Mm-hmm. I will... I will put that on my gravestone and I dare anybody to write in and say that the only reason why they quit a job and went to another job was for more money. Mm -hmm. Because if you feel that you are respected and you have a good work environment and you have other benefits to that role, there is no way that you will leave that comfort zone and go into a complete unknown space for a bit more money, even if it's a lot more money. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I'm not going to go off on that tangent right now. But the the big thing that comes out of this quiet quitting is outdated, antiquated policies mm-hmm. and and ways in which people are being compensated. And, and, and so being someone who is maybe more in that realm of, you know, new... Sorry, I'm going to start there. So... As someone who is about to finish school and kind of, you know, maybe get into more of your career, and again, you work for me, so <laughs> so don't go anywhere, but, you know, like, as someone who's entering in, like, what are your expectations? And, like, you know, have you talked to people about this quiet quitting, and what does it look like maybe from more of your generation? Yeah, yeah, and I think it's so funny when we talk about generations, right, because I, I'm hearing that, like, my generation is entitled and spoiled but then you hear you heard that the boomers say that about the millennials you know and then I'm sure who was before the boomers the silent generation said that about the boomers you know like it, it just seems like that's just like the ongoing thing but I really do think my generation just I don't know how to put it like just if I'm being paid minimum wage even if I'm being paid a bit above minimum wage, say I'm being paid $17 an hour, I want to do my job and then go home, you know? And I don't want to take it home with me. And I think like companies for so long have been able to exist on the principle that there is someone that will immediately come and replace you if you're not willing to die for this job. You know, and this is the first time like they're talking about labor shortages where like the employee kind of has the upper hand where it's like maybe there isn't, you know, and maybe I would give 120 percent if I felt respected 
and I felt valued. Um, and maybe if I was paid a living wage, um, yeah, that I, I totally would be, would be, um, ready to, you know, to do, to do the work, to do the thing. But at the same time, I want to go home at the end of the day, you know, and you want to have the ability to have what everyone keeps talking about that work-life balance. Yeah. Now, again, I don't think you're the type of person that is afraid of work. No, no, I'm not. I like to work. And again, like, this is obviously getting into a bit of like personal opinion, but I think the thing that has really changed this whole topic of work-life balance is technology. Yeah. Where it used to be like, okay, you go to your office and you answer your phone calls and all of that, and then you leave and they don't have your home phone number. Right. But now, A, there's email. And you always know it's there and you can have it on your phone. And B, like with the pandemic, my mom made the mistake. She was working from home and she accidentally gave someone just without thinking, she gave them her home phone number. And then like, that's like a very like literal example where now all of a sudden we were having people call our house. Like our house is her office all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Well, and that was... I mean, there's now that new legislation in Canada around, like, that right to disconnect, Mm -hmm. that right to, um, you know, not receive communications after hours. And it is interesting. I I remember when that legislation came out, I was speaking to some former colleagues of mine where we kind of joked because, you know, we all worked for an organization and specifically an individual who didn't really respect those boundaries and, and expected us to be basically on call 24-7. And it's very interesting because, you know, the legislation came out and we all kind of ha-ha'd in a group chat being like, you know, imagine if this had existed when we worked mm-hmm. here and for this person. And, you know, they all kind of said, oh, well, this person would always say, would probably say, oh, but that doesn't apply to, you know, our department because our department seemed to always have very unique and individual policies and procedures. Not that these policies and procedures ever were documented. Yeah, of course. It was just, oh, but we're different because we operate differently. But it was interesting how, yes, we worked very odd, flexible hours in this role. And so certain policies for the overall organization didn't necessarily work for us. But it was that the protective policies and procedures were also stripped away from us. Mm -hmm. It was like, you get flexibility, but within this like very tight box. (laughs) So, um, it's also interesting, you know, when we were, you were, were, when we, it's also interesting when we talk about quiet quitting, I think it came on the tail end of the other, you know, myth that I think we, we want to talk about today with this quote, great resignation. And yes, I know that there were, people leaving roles. I remember when I did a little bit more digging into this, it wasn't at the, especially in Canada, it wasn't at the crazy rate that everyone's talking about. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of goes hand in hand with the other thing we hear a lot of, of nobody wants to work. And I think it's mildly more directed at your generation. Yeah, I you think know, so too. The 20 year olds who just like want to be TikTok famous. <laughs> but you know what? Like good, good for you. Like right? I, I've had a job I got my first job when I was 13 years old. Um, and I've, I've kind of like grown up 
hearing that like I will probably be working until I'm like physically incapable of working, you know? And, and so I think a lot of people are just kind of realizing this world seems very precarious and very scary. And I just want to be like 23 years old, you know? Sure. Which obviously working can still factor into that, obviously, but I don't want to work at a place where every day I am unhappy, you know, because I'm already, uh, my generation and other generations are dealing with like massive rates of like anxiety and depression, you know, and, and having to read all this horrible news and climate change and all of that. And at the end of the day, yeah, I don't want to go to an environment that is just going to exacerbate all those other negative feelings. Right. And if, if you, and I think you had said it before, and it was interesting when you were even listing off, you know, the ways in which you would stay at a job or, you know, it was like, if I'm respected, if I feel like it's a healthy workplace environment, you did say money the third. So again, people, I am reiterating that nobody leaves jobs just for more money. Well, and I, I also want to say, like, I don't think that, like, these feelings are new. No. At all. It's just, I know, again, I'm, I'm going to keep going back to the pension because I just think that's, like, such... Like, people used to go into an industry just knowing that they would have that. Oh, yeah. Like, and, I mean, people like my friends and people in my generation, we still talk about the pension. And we say, oh, I'm just going to settle down with a nice government job so that I can have the good pension. Yeah. It's still in the back of our mind that that could be a possibility. I think it's a very shaky foundation to yeah. base any of our future living off of. But... It's interesting to hear that from you, and you've said, like, your friends and your generation, like, none of you are planning on no, a pension job. No, that can't be planned on. And so, yeah, so it's not that I think any of these feelings are new. It's just now there's so much uncertainty to our futures, you know? So if I don't think I'll ever be able to afford a house, you know, or have a pension, um, I at least want to have a job where I feel happy and rewarded, and then get to go live my life with, like, people I care about and my hobbies and things that make me happy, you know? So I think I think that's where a lot of it comes from. So I feel like we've created the gray cloud. Mm-hmm. A little bit of the doom and gloom. Yeah. We have talked about the myths, whether it's the great resignation, whether it's um, quiet quitting, or the fact that, you know, them kids don't want to work anymore. And so... What does that all boil down to? I think it really boils down to the fact that employees right now want to be fairly compensated. They want the flexibility and they want a a work environment that is, that doesn't just talk the talk of work-life balance. Like you want that. And so, you know, when we talk about the quiet quitting and how people don't want to do the above and beyond, and I know... Dear listeners, you can't see it, but I was doing air quotes around above and beyond. And I will have some former staff that will be maybe questioning whether or not I'm using air quotes correctly, Mm -hmm. because apparently I'm very much Dr. Evil in the sense that I never (laughs) use them right. They actually, when I left a job, some of my staff gave me a series of wine bottles with labels they made. And one of them was, I use air quotes. And that's also my Dr. Evil impression. So moving on, in case you haven't already... Just turned it off. <laughs> Just turned off the podcast. Been like, all right, we've talked about air quotes for 
30 seconds too long here. So the quiet quitting, as I said, kind of at the beginning of the podcast, is it that more and more tasks, you know, that whole idea of other duties as assigned, has that become instead of the exception, the rule with your job? Mm -hmm. So then what needs to happen? Do you as an employer need to redefine those core tasks? Mm -hmm. Do you need to go back and look at the, your employee contract and we'll get into the whole other can of worms if you don't have employee contracts or employee agreements or that job description to say, look, this is what your role was. We understand that over the last few years, you've also taken on these other tasks. So let's redefine that. And then how do you compensate for that? Again, as I mentioned before, I don't think it has to be solely monetary. Could it be um, additional personal days? Could it be more vacation time? Could it be a wellness fund. I recently redesigned a employee handbook for a client. And one thing we included was a wellness. One thing we included was a wellness budget for every employee. So every employee got up to $500 to spend towards something that could fall under that wellness, like, you know, that Mm -hmm. wellness, um, it's like a gym membership. It could be a gym membership. Yeah. It could be if they wanted to purchase more hand weights to work out at home. Maybe they don't want to go to a gym. Mm-hmm. Maybe they want to um, download a certain app. Like I've been kind of trying to get back into running, and so I downloaded the Jogo app because right. I got a thousand ads for it. If they would like to sponsor the podcast, <laughs> Jogo, hello. Right. You can just email us, podcast at emilychedricksolutions.com. So... But it's things like that. How can you create more work-life balance? And how do you do that as a compensation point? Mm-hmm. Um, but redefining the roles. Because again, if it's in your job description, you're more apt to do the things. Yeah. But if it keeps getting added on and you go, look, I'm not going to be the PR, marketing, recruitment, you know, balloon blower upper. Like, yeah. And then it's taking away from the tasks you do know you have to do. If you do have a job description. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, the other part is, and and I think it really ties into the name of our podcast, the Here's a Solution, H-E-A-R, is are you listening to your employees? Mm -hmm. You know, I've often said, are you you listening? And to me, listening is waiting for the other person's mouth to stop moving Mm -hmm. so that you can talk. Yeah. But are you hearing them? Are you actually hearing the words that your employees are saying and, and are you reading between the lines and are you being curious about, you know, why do you have an employee who constantly doesn't, okay, so I'm going to say this, are you hearing? And sometimes hearing isn't necessarily audio, but do you have an employee that is constantly late with one type of report? Do you have an employee who is consistently 15 minutes late? Mm -hmm. Are there signs that somebody is not necessarily quiet quitting but maybe not able to complete certain things or they're trying to take back some semblance of control over maybe a situation that got out of control. Mm -hmm. And are you creating this space to sit down and go like, Hey, like I noticed for the last two weeks, you've been 15 minutes late. You know, is there something I can do to help, you know, either shift your day? Did you need to start at nine 30 instead of nine? Mm -hmm. Um, or if it's absolutely adamant that they get there at nine, go, 
what else needs to happen? Maybe they've moved recently and they take public transit to get to work and the bus schedule is just bananas. Yeah. So what can you do? Like if you're an employer that's constantly just looking at your employees as a problem, yeah. you're probably going to have an unemployment problem. Yeah. Well, and not as people, right? Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. In, in education, in school, there's a lot more emphasis on like asking why. Yes. Being curious. Yeah. And, and looking at people and trying to find, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, yeah. So they're late. Why are they late? They're having to take the bus. Why are they having to take the bus? Their car is broken down. Why is their car broken down? Because they can't afford to fix it. Why can't they afford to fix it? You know, like looking at people as whole people and not just as these little pieces that do a specific part in your workplace. Yeah. And then using that of maybe as an employer, you're constantly stretched and you can't always be the one to have those conversations. Are there ways that you can empower people within your organization to take on, and here I am saying for them to take on more things, but can you entice leadership and honestly giving those opportunities to people instead of more work saying, I'd like you to step up and look, you seem to be able to, you know, you're on top of your projects and that could you take some time to maybe mentor? Can you be the one to reach out? Can you help, you know, how are you empowering your other employees? And, and maybe that's a step back from, you know, you taking on another project. Like they talk about this, this hustle environment where we're constantly just looking for that next thing and how do we grow and how do we get back to where we were in pre-pandemic times. And sometimes that hustle can be so overwhelming that your employees feel that, but maybe you take that step back and you give them more power to create their own environment of mentorship and peer-to-peer work and and learning from each other and having those curious conversations with one another. And then again, as the employer, listening to that and going, okay, this is how we're going to now frame the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People, I think, just want to be seen, you know, and, and, and feel heard. valued and heard <laughs> and heard. And yeah, and when we talk about going back to pre-pandemic, maybe we don't go back to exactly how it was pre-pandemic. And maybe that's a good thing. You know, like I'm not going to be someone that says like the pandemic was good. It wasn't. It was horrible, obviously. But maybe if there is going to be a silver lining, it's seeing that the way we were running things before wasn't working. Absolutely. In so many ways. And you know, we talked earlier a bit before about now that there's this workplace wellness expert. You know, the fact that there are people and organizations that are investing in the wellness of their employees. Mm-hmm. I do know that we could probably do a follow-up podcast on how unfortunate it is when the wellness people and the workplace culture leaders can sometimes be the problem, mm-hmm. but won't get into that here. Um, but the fact that companies are seeing that and like the new, the new jobs that are being created, the new titles that are being created, 
that have come from the pandemic that relate specifically to that. I'm talking about the new, and I remember reading this, that there's new job positions such as work from home coordinators Mm -hmm. and hybrid workplace managers so that where you are working doesn't matter, but you have someone that's going to help you still feel connected to your job, to your employers, so that you don't slip into this, you know, corner where no one's paying attention to you or you don't feel heard or seen and you do begin the process of potentially quiet quitting. Mm -hmm. So I do love that out of the pandemic, there are these new roles and experiences and that at least some steps were taken towards there being a more balanced work life Mm -hmm. and, and whether that has made some people leave their positions and maybe double down on the work that they were doing on the side. Maybe a lot of people's side hustles turn into full-time jobs, Mm -hmm. right? Like, Mm -hmm. I want to, I want to look at like the question of, is it really wrong to just want to do the job you were hired to do? You know, why are we seeing on a lot of job descriptions and postings you know, not just the other duties as assigned, but that you, you know, it's, it's, it's those hidden things. Like we want you to be a team player. We want you to have the drive. We want to make sure that you are a, you know, a go-getter. Well, what does that really mean? Does that mean that you better be willing to do all the things that we add to your, your task list? Otherwise, like you said before, we'll just find someone else who wants to do it. Mm -hmm. And are you in that then position as an employer where you keep doing that and you keep seeing the revolving door, but you're not actually looking at you as the problem. You're just saying, oh, default to nobody wants to work. Yeah. Well, and I think like just speaking, I can only speak from the perspective of being a woman, but I think women a lot of the times, like you hear about like hidden labor, where now Mm -hmm. we are living in a society where men and women work. And if you're in a household um, where both of you, like if you're in a, a partnership with a man and a woman, you both go to work, but then the woman comes home and she's still responsible for the cooking, the cleaning, running the household. And like you're kind of, you're doubling up and you right. might not even realize it. And I think women can sometimes fall into this pattern, not all women, but like I know I can do this, where you can feel it piling on and you can feel yourself being assigned more and more tasks and you're not saying anything and maybe you don't know how to say anything maybe you don't feel like you are in an environment where you could say something you know but we're just so used to taking it you know and just having people just I don't know give us work well I do and again not to fall into like gender roles because I definitely am in the household where um, even before my husband uh, left the job he was he was in for for close to ten years, um, he was always the one who made dinner. Right. Good. good. I'm really lucky in the sense that he loves to cook, and I was like, I don't want to take that from you. No. If you love to cook, then please make me dinner every night. Um, and now it's even it's even greater because he's at home. Uh, he's at home, and he's he's taking on way more of those. I yes, yeah, stereotypical female gendered roles. But I do understand, and, and I do feel that potentially more, and, and again, I'm going to only speak from my perspective of, like, a straight white woman, mm-hmm. 
is the people pleaser. Mm-hmm. I very much don't like saying no. Mm-hmm. And I have been in roles where I've had a extremely demanding manager and I've had staff and, you know, there's, there's this talk about, you know, maybe it's not quite quitting, but maybe it's like that someone trying to force you out of position. I did have somebody who would be constantly telling me I should be, you know, kind of micromanaging me and telling me I should be assigning my staff certain tasks. Mm -hmm. But I knew how much my staff already had on their plates. And so I would just do it myself Mm -hmm. because I was worried about passing on more to them. And then what else wouldn't get done on their plate? So I would just do it. And yes, I saw that piling up and piling up and piling up. And until it got to the point where I knew that I, I couldn't do that anymore. So I didn't quiet quit. I loud left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think it, it all just gets down to communication, right? Like you knew, like your staff was not having to verbalize to you that they had too much on their plates. Right. And then you were not verbalizing to your manager that you had too much on your plate, they have too much on their plate, and, like, no one's talking. No, no, we just keep assigning and keep going. And then dealing with, like, those sort of, like, microaggressions or those, like, mini conflicts where it's like, well, why didn't this get done? Well, I I got these other five things done, but then you added six things to my plate, so those two things, uh, those two other things didn't get done, and anybody who's trying to count there, I probably math didn't add up, but that's fine. Um... You know, it's it's when those tiny things happen and you feel that that conflict and you feel like there's those unsaid things. So again, going back to us trying to push away the storm clouds and think about ways we can do this, it's about those conversations exactly like you said, Chelsea. It's about how do you create those opportunities, both on the employer and the employee side, to say, like, look, you've given me too much. So if you expect me to do all these other tasks, what's coming off? Mm-hmm. And if and if something's not coming off, you need to redefine my role and and we need to have a conversation about what that's going to look like going forward, whether it's, like we said, like more money, more vacation time, a wellness package. You know, I think people can be really creative now, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, I think, you know, as someone who's, again, entering the work, there's there might not be that pension, but there are other ways that you would probably appreciate I mean, we just had a recent conversation. Chelsea's doing a great job. She loves my iPad and the way Mm -hmm. I take all my notes on it because I'm trying to go paperless. Mm -hmm. And as we move forward and she comes up to, gosh, I feel like we're already almost at a year together. Yeah. But I want to be able to celebrate her achievements and not necessarily go, okay, I'll give you an extra dollar an hour. Mm -hmm. But what if, as of the next project, I buy you an iPad and that's your compensation? Thanks. Right? Yeah, exactly. And then it makes me feel valued. I feel seen. And then it helps me be more effective at my job. Right. You can work wherever now on an iPad. (laughs) On a nice little iPad. Well, and I think a lot of it too, like going back to the conflict for a minute, it's about reframing. Like conflict does not have to be this like horrible thing. It can be an opportunity to say, okay, clearly what we are doing is not working. Yeah. Let's find a better way of doing it. Absolutely. There's a fantastic book that I refer to, and I showed it to Chelsea yesterday, and I think she was scared at how many sticky notes I had coming out of it. But it's called Changing the Conversation by Dana Casperson, and we'll make sure a link to it is in the show notes. And I really love, I mean, it's a visually 
appealing book. But one thing it really talks about changing the conversation is kind of what we talked about before, hearing, not just listening, but asking those clarifying, curious questions of what would best case scenario look like for you? Mm-hmm. What would a, what in your mind, you know, like, so it's asking those questions such as what would the best outcome look like for you? Or if this isn't working, how do you see the path towards success? It's asking questions. And I think those questions can be really scary, especially if you're an employee and maybe you're new in your role and maybe you don't have a lot of access to your manager or a lot of times, you know, those, those one-on-ones get rescheduled so many times and you don't actually get a chance to talk to your, your manager. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not till like way after work when maybe you're finished stacking chairs and, you know, you're, you're putting away stuff after an event and, and you know, and they kind of turn to you and go, you good? <laughs> like you're really going to have a conversation at midnight. Yeah. So as an employer, it's about creating that opportunity for the conversations. And we're going to dig into this much deeper on our next episode when we talk about difficult conversations and about how they can be less difficult if you actually give space for them to happen in a, in a, in a, in an easier way. Yeah. It can be, sorry, I'm just going to repeat that. They can be less difficult if you actually give them space. And I'm not saying space like a physical space, because maybe you can do it over zoom, but I'm saying you're actually allowing that person to share the platform. Yeah. You're not breezing past them in the morning on the way to your office going, Hey, yeah, you good. Good weekend. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like the person you see at the grocery store. Yeah. If they say anything other than fine, when you ask them how they are, do you a little bit cringe inside and go, Oh, I just really need to get. Yeah. Yeah. Show. You're never wanting someone to be like, well, this is what's going on. Right. It's like, no, can we, like, let's book a time. We'll have a drink. We'll (laughs) dig into that. But can you just tell me you're fine right now? And I'm going to grab the dish soap and I'm going to go home. Yeah. But when you're at work and you spend 40 plus hours a week with these people. 90,000 hours in a typical lifespan. Yeah. And in summary, (laughs) people do want to work. Yes. But people also want to live their lives and they want to feel happy and they want to go to work every day in a place that they know they're respected. Yeah. And that when conflict does arise, it's talked about and it, it gets handled in a way that everyone's involved. Yeah. So again, to add on to your summary, I really think it's that clarity of expectations, you know, whether it's around what you're doing for work, the extra work, how you could be compensated or maybe what's coming off your plate, clarity of expectations, the opportunities to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. I think that that next step, you know, are you going to just keep doing what you're doing? And it's fine if you're happy with that, but maybe some other professional development, maybe you need to learn how to do the role you're going to be doing for the next 10 years, just a little bit faster or better. Mm-hmm. And are you being granted those opportunities? Cause otherwise that's, what's going to cause you to go on and look for a new job again, not the money, but maybe it's doing the same thing with the opportunity for growth. You know, we talked about how you really want to feel cared about and a connection to your organization's mission or purpose. So how do you feel cared about could be different than how your fellow colleague or another employee feels cared about, you know, for Chelsea, it's going to be an iPad in a couple (laughs) months for somebody else. It might be, an extra personal day a month so that they don't have to take a day off work to go on a field trip with their kid. It can be so creative. You don't need to stick to money and vacation. There are so many ways you can make employees feel cared and connected. 
And again, it's really signaling that there there is that growing disconnect between employers and employees. But I don't think it can boil down to you know, a phenomenon known as quiet quitting. I don't think there's a great resignation. Mm-hmm. You know, I do think people want to work. I just think they want to not work in shitty environments. Yeah. yeah. And I think we summed that up there. I think that's a nice little mic drop. Yeah. So again, as we end our episodes, we like to end with things that we are doing for ourselves, which I think is very uh, timely for this episode. So what have you yeah. done for yourself lately? What have I done for myself lately? Uh, Yesterday, I made a delicious wild rice and squash casserole. Yeah. Which then I let cool down and I put it in the freezer for when I go on. um, So, listeners, I'm going to be going on my student teacher placement uh, next week um, when we're recording this. And it's really busy. And so what I am doing for myself is I'm prepping food. So that when I come home, I can just take out this nice, healthy, and nutritious casserole instead of stopping at a fast food place or ordering Skip the Dishes or eating a box of saltine crackers um, in place of dinner. So that's what I'm doing for myself. That's awesome. You're giving yourself time back. Yes. Yes. Doing the work now so I don't have to do it later. And what are you doing for yourself, Emily? So what am I doing for myself? So I talked, I think, in our first episode about how I'm listening to a new podcast. So I have also decided that I need to get back to my my quasi-New Year's resolution was to read a minimum of a book a month. And some books I got through really quickly and I loved. Other books were a bit more of a struggle because I try to do a balance. I really love fantasy fiction like Mm -hmm. if it's got dragons and fairies and swords like I am in it Mm -hmm. and so I finished a series and they were big they were 800 pages but I was able to whip through them because I just I devour them and I love them but I'm also trying to do a bit more professional development digging into my own right work that way so I actually picked up a new book that is related to a course that I'm taking this weekend called calling my spirit back by Elaine Alec And the course I'm taking this weekend is called Cultivating Safe Spaces. And it is, she's an Indigenous author, and she is also a consultant. So I relate to her on that. I have a black hole of all the things I do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm really excited about reading her book and seeing how it relates to a lot of the topics that we do in the course. So I am trying to expand and grow and learn and Add to my repertoire. I love it. I love how you're always adding to your repertoire. You'll see it in the schedule. Yeah. Put it in there. Awesome. All righty. Well, thank you, listeners, for tuning in to this episode of Here's a Solution. And if you would like, you can follow us on Facebook at Emily Shandrick Solutions, on Instagram at Solution Boss. And if you have a question or situation you'd like us to discuss on the show, send us a DM or email us at podcast at emilyshandrucksolutions.com. Shandruck is S-H-A-N-D-R-U-K. And if you have liked what you heard, or maybe if you're involved in the Jago app, or anything else we've talked about, and maybe you're interested in supporting the podcast, um, you can reach out and learn how you can advertise with us at podcast at emilyshandricksolutions.com, or send us a DM on Instagram, and our Instagram handle is at solutionsboss. 
All right. Well, bye for now. Bye.